welcome to Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for South Cities Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. If you want to know more about our church, you can go to southcities.church. How's it going, everyone? Good. 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 Great. We're here with Stacy. Hi, Stacy. Hi. And Dave. Hello. Daniel is not here. He is in Scotland, I presume, right now. Uh, and so it's just the three of us, and Ethan is our mixer slash podcast engineer, but he doesn't have a mic today, so he's giving us the peace sign. <laughs> Hi, Ethan. <clears throat> um, so what we're going to do today is we're just going to, we've been going through the churches in Revelation 2 and 3, so we're going to just give some devotional thoughts from the last two churches uh, at the end of chapter 3, the church, to Phil- church in Philadelphia and the church in Laodicea. So um, does one of you want to read uh, verses 7 to 13, the letter to the church in Philadelphia? Sure. Thanks, Stacy. <laughs> and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have, so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right. So... Um, what are some, like, what's the main message that you're seeing here? And what are some, maybe some devotional thoughts that we can take away for our church? They're deferring to one another off mic here. <clears throat> Out of Christian love, outdo one well, another in showing honor. Well, I just read it, so. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So there. <laughs> um. Yeah, the what strikes me about Philadelphia is that it's another one of the it's one of the two churches that does not receive a rebuke. Mm-hmm. And again, what's so interesting about that is it's a church that, like the other church that receives the same thing, is it, it seems like it's not very significant. You know, it says, "I know you have little power." So there's there's small there's a smallness, a weakness, at least in the outside appearance of what this church looks like, and yet uh, by, you know, the grace of God, they've endured through tribulation for the sake of the kingdom. And, you know, most commentators that read this talk about how in verse 8 that that faithfulness, um, that faithfulness and these these keys, who has the key of David, which, you know, people relate to the keys of the kingdom in Matthew mm-hmm. 18 and... Um, in the, the kingdom of God being the kingdom of Christ who sits on the throne of David. Uh, those are the ways that people relate 
this imagery. And so they then go to verse 8 and say there's this open door which no one is able to shut. And they say because of the faithfulness to the name of Jesus, there's going to be a fruitfulness now that the gospel word that Mm. they have kept and remained faithful to, they're now going to have the opportunity to have other people know and believe on account of their faithfulness uh, in a kind of evangelistic uh, gospel proclamation way. And so so maybe the devotional thought would be that as a church, uh, we want to... We want to remain faithful to the gospel. Uh, we don't want to run. Uh, we don't want to run after significance. I think. Mm-hmm. I think in America, especially, um, it's easy even for the church to run after significance to have power and prestige. Yeah. You know, people look at us and think that we're great. <coughs> and here's a church that has little power. Um, and so we don't want to be distracted by running after those things, but instead stay really near and faithful to Jesus. And kind of like the parable um, of the servants, you know, for faithful with a little, more will be given to steward. And I think that's the picture here in Philadelphia is you have little power, but because you've been faithful, I'm going to open up new opportunities for the gospel to flourish where you're at, even though it looks like you have small power. um, There's going to be great power in the gospel as it goes forth. And Mm -hmm. so a call to us to be faithful and then just keep saying the gospel to people in the hopes that it'll be fruitful. So I think that the way Daniel had this one listed, you know, categorically was mission. Yeah. Philadelphia is a place where we see the mission of the church as far as faithfulness and fruitfulness in the gospel. Yeah. Do you think that what, in what ways do you think uh, um, either here, maybe just as a principle, are faithfulness and fruitfulness tied together? Do you think they, you know, does one come before the other? Should it? I mean, it should. We should be faithful mm-hmm. and then be fruitful. But is there like a correlation that you see in like the opportunity that this church has maybe? Uh, I, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, I would say faithfulness. Well, I guess it depends how you define fruitfulness. Right. You know, yeah. As I'm defining, I'm exactly. defining it as true gospel proclamation, bringing about true gospel conversion and maturity and all those kinds of things. And so obviously if that's the definition, faithfulness to the true gospel is a prerequisite for that kind of fruitfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I don't think there's any guarantee that if we hold fast to Jesus, you know, we're gonna see our church grow by seven hundred people or something like that. Right. Or um, like a, a promise for like on the mission field or something. Right. Like if you're faithful, mm-hmm. right. you're gonna see converts and there's people that have right. labored for twenty years and haven't yeah, seen Yeah, and sometimes it's like the next generation, you right. know, yeah. all of a sudden mm-hmm. sees the big um, numbers in conversion or whatever of a tribe that they've labored yep. in for mm-hmm. 20, 30 years. So uh no uh, so so maybe a way to say it would be, you know, it would seem to me that if you're not faithful, it's not likely Jesus opens a door for your witness. Mm-hmm. But if you're faithful, the the door is open for gospel witness because you're what you're saying accords with who you are, and that's a place where the gospel can land with some power and authenticity, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of, as you guys were talking about that, the verse from Acts where um, it says, you know, I planted, Apollos watered, but God caused the growth. And just in the corporate context that this is written to a church, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's speaking to the church as a whole, but also that means individuals have to do something. Yeah. And just the beauty of 
each person being faithful in the places that God has put them. Yeah. Um, and then trusting God to do the work. It's his work to do, not it's not dependent um, on us, but he we have the privilege in sharing in that and being faithful and pointing people to him. Yeah. And seeing what fruit he brings from it. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> That's great. And then the reward that they have here. Um, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write, his, write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down from my God out of heaven, my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear. So it's just this promise of, you know, hold fast, and if you hold fast, I'll hold fast to you. Yeah. Right? Even earlier when he talks about what he's going to do with these, you know, these, the synagogue of Satan. Mm-hmm. You know, what What do they learn when they come and bow at their feet? They learn that I have loved you. So that's, a, you know, it's mm-hmm. a promise. Hold hold fast to me and I'll hold fast to you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love me because I've loved you. Yep. Yeah. That's great. Anything else from Philadelphia? Well, well may we be a church yeah. that is faithful and therefore bears true fruitfulness yeah. in the gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Laodicea. Um, I can read this one. <clears throat> and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich in white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent." Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. <clears throat> so what do we see here? And what, what are some takeaways for us? I mean, I just love the imagery of this, of Jesus standing at the door and knocking um, and just fellowshipping and commun- communion. How do yep. I say that? Communing? Yeah, <laughs> communion yeah. with him, um, abiding in him. Um, I know we're supposed to just talk about this topically or devotionally a little mm-hmm. bit, but I don't think I've noticed that verse, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. Mm-hmm. I... I didn't know that. <laughs> I guess I never noticed that. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it reminds me of where is that seated with him at the right hand of God? You know, in Christ. Is that in Ephesians? Yes. S- seated with us. Yeah. Ephesians 2. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> it reminds me of that. Mm-hmm. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. Phew. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> Yeah, so we've got 
you know, this is getting at, you know, what was Daniel's word for this? Heartedness. Heartedness, yeah. Which I think just, is he just getting at the state of our hearts? Like, yeah. Wholehearted. Wholehearted, you know, love for the gospel and for Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting that he says, I wish that you were either cold or hot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things about this, I mean, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of ideas around it. One of the main ideas commentators go to is that there were two cities near Laodicea. One had really hot springs that were thought to be really good for like medicinal purposes. Another one had really cold springs that were thought to be really good for healing purposes as well. And Laodicea had the bad water. And so he's, he's kind of saying, you know, there's, uh, you're not healthy. Um, you're not, the way you're living kind of in half-hearted uh, faith is worthless, unhelpful. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a sham, you know, it's not going to do you any good. Therefore, uh, just decide what you're going to do, you know, decide yeah. who you're going to be, decide if you're going to be all in um, or not. And so it's a good, um, and, and I think you get that in verse 17, I'm rich, I've prospered, I need nothing. Um, you know, like this idea of just, we're comfortable, we're okay, we're, we don't really need much from him, you know. We're, so there's not a sense of dependence or need or, um, yeah, and, and therefore he calls them, Proves them and disciplines them because he loves them to be zealous and repent. So I think even the word zealousness gets at heartedness. Mm -hmm. Like be all in in your repentance, be all in in your turning from your half-heartedness to wholeheartedness towards me. Mm -hmm. Which I think is I think is like a man. What a good word for a church in the suburbs. I was just going to say, what are some ways that in America, half-heartedness might look like? Yeah, a church in America in the suburbs that's just been like faithful for a long time. You know what I mean? Like I think it's easy to come to church and be like, oh, that was, worship was good. You know, or like that sermon was really good. And you you feel like, oh, that was good. And then you walk away and it doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. the other six days. Um, Or you look around and you look at, you know, like uh, you look around at, at church or your Christian life, like a, um, a buffet line. Like, what can I get out of this? Rather than how, how do I stay near, stay near to Jesus and help other people stay near to Jesus? Um, or just um, the idolatry of self, you know, just the way that we put ourselves at the center of so many things in the culture that we live in. And how do I make sure my eyes aren't on me and on Jesus instead? So, those are a few subtle ways, but I think that certainly like the comforts and apathy um, could be um, a little bit easier to fall into in a suburban, mm-hmm. comfortable context. Yeah. I don't need any, I don't need anything, right? I'm doing all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're doing all right as a church. It's yep. tied to the yeah. ways like comfort can make us numb to our neediness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To God. Yeah. yeah. And that, that saying, the thing that you always say is that we don't, Suffering doesn't increase our need for God. It highlights the need that's already there. Yeah, it doesn't mm-hmm. create it. It highlights it. Yeah. 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 Which and, comfort can numb us to. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What are you going to say, Stacey? Yeah, what, just along what you were already saying, it's a temptation being, you know, in a wealthy city, you know, you know um, just having wealth that a lot of the world doesn't, that, well, why would we need God? I mean, we just, we don't feel it as much, even though it's a reality. Um, and then I was just thinking about complacency, like, yeah, yeah, that's a good word. Um, are there areas in my life that I'm 
just kind of complacent or, or as you know, we saw later in this letter, am I wanting deeper fellowship with Jesus? Mm. Am I zealous to know him more, love him more, and then out of that, love others more? Um, or am I just kind of like, it's good enough, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. just going along with life? Yeah, at the elder meeting the other night, we were talking about goals for the year, and um, one of the guys, can't remember who right now, but just said, you know, one of the things he always asks himself every year that someone talked to him about at some point in his life was just, you know, what am I doing to intentionally grow closer to Jesus? And I thought that was a good word, you Mm -hmm. know, just how am I, how am I trying to do that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's not going to be perfect, but like you said, is it, we can, it's easy to get complacent and don't want to be in our walk with Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> Amen. Well, anything else about this church for us? We'll get into the the details of it in a couple of weeks when we get there in our mm-hmm. sermon series. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs>